welcome everyone to Red Spotlight. I'm your host, Alexis, and I'm joined by David Francisco. It is now August, which means we are in kind of a bit of a dead zone as far as what we do on this podcast, the place where, you know, we talk about what is going on in the world of movies, and not much is happening in terms of really anything, and that have you know, it has to do a lot with, well, I just mentioned that August is a dead space. It's not much action going on here now. If certain studios were perhaps a bit wiser, they could have moved some movies into this month that might have had a little bit of attention considering how starved for attention anything is. Like, I I know some Mm. films that were very good this year that just, you know, got stomped out um, of the limelight because of, you know... (laughs) certain neighbors that were hogging the attention for one we had talked about the last few weeks that mission impossible really should have saved their film for this month because i mean it's a terrific movie um and it would have been better serviced if it was like it had this to itself another film that was actually quite good from earlier this year was dungeons and dragons but it got lost in the shadow of john wick and others in march and everything um, hell, they might have even benefited if they had moved Shazam <laughs> over to <laughs> August as well. I don't know. There were some months where they tried releasing so many things at the same time. And when you try and do that, as we've been discussing on this show for so many years, all that does in the end really is is create uh, an amazing opportunity for so many of these um, movies to fail. Um, so what is out right now? Well, I mean, I guess we're going to talk about it right here on Red Spotlight number, f- uh, what was it? 500, 454. <laughs> it feels like yeah. it's at 500 at this point. I'm here, uh, as I mentioned before, joined by David Francisco. Um, David, how are you doing? And you also want to mention to the people who are listening or watching, what is a little bit different about this particular podcast that we're trying out or testing out or crossing our fingers that it doesn't all blow up in our faces? We got video, baby. <laughs> I can see my room. I can finally show it off to people. Because <laughs> it's, oh, it's, it's funny how I can't see your room. I can see you. Um, it's just like uh, you're on OBS, I'm on Skype, and I'm seeing an image of the two of us floating in some nebulous space with trees and rock and stairs. Wait, you're still on that? Oh my yes. God, I thought I took it out. Yes. <laughs> you can get rid of that on view. Just, I, I didn't think, I thought I was just going to go back to normal when like I took it off. But yeah, just go back to view. Okay. And then, I don't know, it's the together mode. Just click that, I guess. I guess it might get rid of it. <laughs> yes, it's. I was like, what's going on here? But then if I get rid of it, am I, gonna, am I not going to be able to see you? Uh, no, you think you, I think you still be able to see me. Okay. It's just well, together I, mode is just some weird thing that you can mess with. Well, I just got rid of together mode and it's still showing the same thing. No so, fucking way. No, yeah. Yeah, fucking way. I'm seeing just the exact same thing that I just described to you. I'm not seeing your room, but I am seeing you, which in some ways is a bit of a, an improvement considering that when we were troubleshooting, it wasn't showing your image at all. Yeah. What the hell? I, th- I know I got rid of it. That's so weird. And like, I don't want to mess with my on my end because <laughs> I'm recording. Yeah, we're already window. on the recording thing, but at least I can see you. But it is really strange. It, it just looks like oh, two floating wow. heads on the fucking like step in the forest or something yeah it's pretty funny um but mm-hmm. I'm, i imagine on your end um you're seeing what everyone will be seeing 
if and when this ever sees the light of day. Uh, you know, just for a, a brief background for people who may not be aware of, in the past we have attempted um, video stuff, but that was – that. In a, in a way, it predates what this show is called, Red Spotlight Entertainment. This is a podcast that was started many years ago now. Um, it's kind of changed throughout the years. So it first started in 2014 by Kyle Lira, our good friend Kyle Lira. Um, and he was the host of the show for a long period of time. We didn't actually really um, start doing this show on a regular basis until 2016. So for many people, I would say that's when... This became more of a regular thing. But a lot of the people who work on this podcast actually were doing this video series called Barely News Crew on YouTube, which was, you know, a more um, – it's a very 2010s version of what um, you would see on YouTube in this particular community of movie fans, right? So everybody was just trying to make a name for themselves and trying to, you know, come out with their own movie reviews. And I had a lot, I took a lot of inspiration from the AMC and Collider movie talk days. And you see that's a big influence on, on that channel. Peter and I, uh, and our good friend Julio and Kyle would all, would do those videos for a, a number of years. And then we ended up transitioning permanently over to podcasts in an audio format um, from 2016 and on. And then in 2018, Kyle asked me to take over as host because he wanted to focus um, his attention elsewhere. Um, not that he ever left. He's always been here and continues to be here. Um, but the show has been going on ever since and we've been monitoring a lot of movie news it's pretty kind of monumental when you think about at least i think about it monumentally anyway when you think about where the business and where all of the, the studios and and where things stood in pop culture when we began to where things are right now and also how much we have changed. When we started doing this, there was at a point where just about everything coming out of the movie news world was so positive and so exciting and so energetic, um, which is why all of us really, um, we all loved talking about the same thing. We all liked looking up the same things. And so we just took our conversations and put it on a show. And it was all so just exciting and positive. Then, of course, at some point, things did take a very negative turn because the, the state of the movie world took a negative turn, you know? Um, a lot of different genres of film started being pushed out of movie theaters um, and permanently onto streaming, which streaming as a whole has pretty much broke the entire, you know, business model, which is why, in turn, the actors and the writers are striking right now. That doesn't, of course, even begin to mention how the, you know, the corporate shills and, of course, the CEOs who are just, you know, capitalistic creatures are just, you know, going f harder into that oligarchish territory where they're just like trying to hog it all for themselves. And so as the world really has become much more negative in tone, a lot of what we do on this podcast, for those who have been listening, is talking about. And a lot of what's happening in the world, in the world of movies, is kind of almost in tandem. And so we don't really have any kind of inhibition into, like, as far as like what we think and how we feel the way things are. There's never been any, any kind of filter, let me tell you that, on this show. Don't even begin. Don't let me get me started on, on, on that situation. But our whole mentality has been we just give you what our take is 
on the world. And we try our best to give you a rather informed perspective on a lot of big issues and small issues uh, and a lot of context, a lot of background, you know, just so you know that where we come from and that you can hopefully take away with this idea that we're coming from a an honest place here because we also have to mention that we're inhabiting a space where there are so many dishonest actors of all kinds, of all genres, mm-hmm. of all colors, and of all creeds, uh, it turns like. Um, so... I don't want to come off as like, oh, yeah, we just tell it like it is because people who usually say that turn of phrase come from a particular right wing background. And I'm not saying, of course, that this podcast is not for right wingers. It probably won't be considering how some of you act. I'm going to be honest with you about that. (laughs) But hey, it's the truth. But we do talk about a lot of the uh assertions and allegations and and bogus conspiracy theories that come from the right wing and throw it at particular movies and talent and studios. And, you know, we expose the lies for what they are. Uh, That's part of the movie news. And so we can't just ignore that. We also discuss the inner workings and politics of, you know, the Academy Awards and the awards industry. Also how a movie is made. And, you know, if you've been following and listening long enough, you know that many of our voices and opinions change. Part of the reason for why we try not to, as far as like, we don't, we don't really discuss politics, not anymore anyway, outside of movies. If it does pertain to movies, of course we discuss it, but we don't want to, you know, some of us have been like asked, why don't we don't do a political podcast? Well, political opinions, like all opinions, really age like milk <laughs> and it's much better to like you know be cringe about movie opinions than political opinions because yeah. those obviously have changed um and i can speak for all of us here that what we like and what we look for and don't look for in movies has changed dramatically from the very beginning to uh, of when we were doing these conversations uh to where we are right now so that's kind of our show in a nutshell. I think what we what we bring to the table is just we're not professionals. Um but we do I do anyway. Consider all of us to be um very much informed as to how the business functions and how it operates. Furthermore, very informed on the realities and the crises that exist in our society and in our world which better informs us to discuss the films themselves. And, you know, one of the things that I love so much about movies is um, somehow, you know, it is a brilliant art form, but, you know, I always feel some of the best films just make you feel a little bit smarter. I don't know how it is that way. Uh, they, they also just, they, they make me feel more alive as well. Um, I, I tell you, I just got out of watching Oppenheimer uh, the third time, and that movie is it, it goes quicker and quicker every single time I see it. Uh, and that is just a, a brilliant, brilliant movie that I I understand why people are saying it's going to be discussed for a very long time considering its subject matter and its execution overall uh, on that mo- uh, on story and that character. But um, yeah, we don't sugarcoat anything. Mm. Uh, so... If you've already been listening, all of this is just, you know, 
you know this. <laughs> you know how things <laughs> get here. But if you end up having, if you end up being somebody who's like tuning in for the first time, because technically, I'm not sure if it's, well, I guess it would be the first uh, video podcast. Um, mm. Welcome. Um, and you've been following for us for a long time. Well, I, I don't even know who that would be uh, yeah. for, for, <laughs> for so many years. It would be crazy if there was one person out there that was following us since the Barely News Crew days, because that would be a trip, man. Some of those videos, as a matter of fact, are about to turn 10 years old. Mm-hmm. And um, I was just um, uh, with Peter and Alexis, two of our other co-analysts, pa- panelists here. Um, I don't know why I call them analysts. <laughs> panelists. They were here with me in this room and we were kind of... Um, watching those old clips and um yeah we've definitely come a long way uh also i am kind of uh, i am long-winded and i can go on for a very very long time <laughs> and it's, it's just my need to over explain and give as much background and context as possible but i'm not doing this alone <laughs> clearly david is here david um Again, we're doing this really as a test. Yeah. We're no, not really certain or sure if this is going to be something that actually goes on the air. Um, mm-hmm. But if it happens to be that way, um, how are you? Um, <laughs> how excited are you to be doing this? And why are you on the show again? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I was just, you guys knew I was your only like listener for quite a while and then i just kind of snuck right in and so <laughs> uh, yeah that's basically how i got on the show i mean you guys it was, i mean it was great you guys just kept you guys texted me a couple of times going you want to be on this podcast i'm like sure <laughs> and um i even forgot about that i forget that whole yeah, thing they yeah, even called think, you a contest winner um yeah, that was it, funny. it was episode 100 right yeah that was like i guess <laughs> first official one i guess and um i just kind of stayed on afterwards um me having the well me and ale having like the shittiest audio <laughs> for quite a while and uh, they'll listen to those early ones <laughs> just kind of and honestly especially because of me because you know you, we've all mentioned this before i'm quiet if like <laughs> if, if people are li- like looking at this now going like man this guy's quiet before that it was even more which is one of the, the ways that we've changed as people you yourself very much in terms of how you communicate and you present yourself has very much changed mm-hmm. as a result of the show but to be fair to you, you weren't necessarily alone in the crappy audionessness of <laughs> of 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 the the state of things. You know, mm. um, I'm hoping we sound great. I know we've been sounding pretty good for a while yeah. now. But you know, for again, sure. at the very beginning, it's like handing a, a microphone to a monkey and seeing um, if it you know, and expecting it to sound great the first time. It wasn't. We were presumably smarter than a couple of apes mm. but it turns out we weren't and it took us a you know let's say the better part of 100 episodes to figure out the proper way these things should sound like you know it, yeah. it sounds pathetic but hey we were doing it for you know we were doing it in the days where it wasn't common knowledge where it wasn't a common thing nowadays everybody has a podcast literally mm. everybody has a podcast and they even do their podcasts on TikTok and they get paid. We never get paid for this. I mean, we're 
yeah practically that's, nothing so yeah that's that's a, bit, that's a big thing too i mean for for right now again this is just a test um shot here um for people watching the video ignore the background that's that is the logo for my other podcast question <laughs> and i'm just putting there putting something there um because something to needs to fill be in there. the blank yeah no you could put a uh, red curtain or something oh yeah that's true huh that's so better like a red curtain or a red uh or even a, th- a movie theater background. I'll, put, I'll look up like theater yeah. stage curtains or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then like that com- that is actually way better. Wow. I thought I was going to have to like make something up. But that's actually way better. Uh, <laughs> uh, I still need to make up for like the intro though. That's the one thing. Um, um, okay. And then, uh, but also like, yeah, we don't get paid for this. But this isn't really our jobs or anything. Which is so why we can say what we want. Yeah, we can say what we want. We can... We can bash corporations all day, all night for as long as we want, <laughs> and as long as we and we continue and we will continue to do so because that's and I feel that's one of the uh, positive attributes of watching us is that you're gonna get our honest takes. We're we, we're not really shilling for a corporation here. We're not playing teams. Mm-hmm. All of us here are united by the commonality of just wanting a good fucking movie. And mm-hmm. wanting the best in the business and everyone to be treated, you know, the same and fairly and paid for what they were owed. Really, that's just what it is. And yeah. um, we know enough because of how long we've been paying attention that when we see trouble, when we see problems percolating, we're going to call out and say it. I mean, I'm going to put it out there. And look, maybe at one point. I used to be the kind of guy that would just like throw around I told you so's in your face to say I was right, I was right, I was right. Every now and then I get one right. But really the person that really calls it dead on, David, and I'm kind of spooked. <laughs> I'm always spooked. When years down the line, it ends up being 100% true. But if if you go back into the archives of this show, um, again – at a, at a point in time, I really was much more of an optimist. Then I became much more of a pessimist. You have the 2016 presidential election to thank for that. But <laughs> before then, when we were doing these recordings, I was very optimistic and always trying to see the, the best in things. And I appreciate those people. But when it comes to, you know, the, the sake of accuracy, when it comes to, you know, reporting on the news and everything, um, it seemed like the ultimate pessimist well, – I'm not even sure I would – it would be unfair to call him a pessimist. But it felt that way at times, especially during the time that when Peter would say, well, here's why this is actually a bad idea and this is exactly how it's going to go wrong. And David, I know I don't speak for myself when I say this. And you can definitely chime in on this as well. <laughs> but – it has been rather spooky how many times it has happened where seemingly something interesting or positive comes to light. Peter says it's the worst thing ever. <laughs> and then years down the line, not only does it end up coming true, but it comes true in exactly the way he predicted it would go. 
And when do I, what, I mean, one of the things that I referred to is just clearly, remember, I, I, this has to be 2017, 2018, when they first announced that Disney was going to be exploring a streaming service. Well, it seems to me that what we have been saying all year long, since January, now is becoming common knowledge and common talking points now here in August. So we called the six months. I was the one that was saying, no, shifting it back to me. I was saying six months ago, hey, wait a minute. Bob Iger was the one that not only led his whole company into a streaming hole, but he led the entire industry into a streaming hole. Now you're seeing people like of all places, Grace Randolph talk about, wait a minute, this was Bob Iger's fault. But then again, if you go back to 2017, 2018, whenever that was first announced, Peter was saying, this is a terrible idea. <laughs> wow. Imagine how much better off Disney would be today if they had somebody like him that had that foresight. But then again, it's not just that, is it? It's, it's the system. And the system doesn't allow for people to have that kind of foresight to even be in the business in the first place. At that high level, anyway. Um, which is, you know, if they're intent, hell-bent on hiring people with blind spots and the exact same blind spots, and you're going to end up being in the same position that you are and continue to be in. So that's what I was referring to. But David, I think you also would be in agreement there. Sure. <laughs> that was all you said. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I know it, it, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, but then also I wanted to mention the um, in terms of like quality of our videos, it's not going to be consistent. <laughs> I mean, I I just kind of did this because I do want to like make editing. I do want to edit videos. I also want to start streaming and all that. So so far. That's for sure a possibility now. <laughs> well, we're in the it. we're in the troubleshooting phase yeah. um, at this point. Um, there are going to be issues that pop up, and I mean, we. I'll just speak for myself in this instance. It, it, part of why it took a long time in the first place to even do this step is because, well, throughout the many years that we've been doing this everything that ha that could go wrong has gone wrong in terms of a production problem and so it, it, it for the longest time whenever we find something that works we just kind of like cling to it as long as humanly possible and, and try not to let go because if we do then well we're back to square one and we're in this situation here so I know that when we have David on we're going to have a consistent quality for sure as yeah. far as uh, podcasts that don't include him, well, we're going to have to be looking at other options or who we'll, maybe we'll find a, a breakthrough. Who knows? But I know that there are other um, options that we can utilize to, to bring about a consistency to the video and then put them on YouTube um, and see how those go. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not even sure. And we haven't even discussed this amongst ourselves, but... I am quite curious to know, David, that if it, the way that you envisioned it as far as editing this, did you think your preference would be to 
put the whole conversation as the audio version would be on YouTube? Or did you have ideas of like cutting it down? Not that um, you have to and not that you do. I'm not putting this on you. I was just curious mm-hmm. about your mindset. Uh, sorry, can you repeat the question? Because like, I was trying I was trying to see if I can look for the curtain image that you said, and I found it, and I'm just about to put it in. <laughs> okay, okay. What I'm saying is, do you intend to just put the podcast but in video version fully on YouTube, or did you have some kind of notion of cutting it down? Um, I think I'll do the whole thing. I mm-hmm. mean, I don't see anything wrong with cutting it down. I mean, the only time I mean, cutting cut it, it down, down is more work. Cutting down is more work, and the only time we do cut it down on the audio versions is just because something happened in the middle of it. So I'll, I'll definitely do it for that still. Yeah. Um, but other other than to like you know keep it entertaining, I guess you can say, or you know people do that too. They just kind of cut it down to like just mm-hmm. the quick bits, no silence, and all that. I don't think I'll do that. Um, yeah, there's no need. I yeah. was just curious, and I wasn't thinking you were gonna do it anyway, but. Yeah. <laughs> um, there, uh, we should know that there are people – one of the ways that our podcast is not as conventional as others is that we don't really pay any mind to how long we take. The usual runtime for a podcast is an hour and a half to two hours, more likely than not two hours. And there have been podcasts in the past that have gone over two hours, two and a half hours, three hours. I think there was one that we did three and a half hours. In fact, during COVID, the pandemic year – when we were in quarantine, the longest podcast we ever did was over four hours long. Mm. <sighs> like in the row or, or like, did you split it up in parts? No, no, oh, okay. <laughs> it was not in parts. You know what it was, though, is because we were having a really long Star Wars rant mm, that okay. probably, <laughs> yeah, I think right. we, we, did, we basically, it was like doing a whole three hour show and then the Star Wars thing took it over a fourth hour. Because okay. we get pretty passionate about Star Wars. <laughs> mm-hmm. I actually did a five-hour podcast with Sergio, who's mm-hmm. my co-host in Quest Center. No shit. Yeah, we talked about, um, what was it, God of War Ragnarok. And that, it's a fantastic game. Like uh-huh. I just I had to describe every single detail about the game. And so we went for five hours. <laughs> no, really? Uh, yeah. Wow. It's, yeah, it's up. Uh, if everyone wants to see it, but uh, we did God of War Ragnarok and God of War from 2018, which is both fantastic games. Um, yeah, but dude, I fucking felt the hours passing by. Oh my gosh! At one point, I literally go, "We're three hours in. We just keep gotta keep going." So <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that was us. <laughs> uh, it's a lot to talk for that long. It's a lot. It's a lot, especially. Oh my god. I don't understand how some people do like hours long live streams. I mean, oh I guess they, they, they do it to make money, but then they also have the assist of having a chat. They really do yeah, rely on have, that chat. They have the chat, but also like, have you seen streams of people doing that for 12 hours, like react videos or something? Um, because <laughs> there's this like big thing going on in the react media, I guess you can say on Twitch where a lot of the big ones that a lot of the big Twitch streamers that do React content, they're not really what you would consider reacting mm-hmm. to it. They're just playing the video and then kind of go, mm-hmm, that was funny. Yeah. 
Like, that's just all they're saying. And some of them literally leave while still playing the video. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's, like, a big thing. I mean, I don't know how big it is exactly, but, like, I know from all the, like, YouTubers that I watch, it's, like, a big thing going on. And so, <laughs> yeah. There are even live streams where people are just sleeping. Yeah, those are, that's creepy. That's I never wild. understood the appeal of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't get it either. I just creepy is the right word for it, though. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what else it could be. Just like, why the fuck do you want to see someone sleep? That's literally like every joke horror style, like whatever. It's like a shows always joke about that, like to to about creepy people. You know, I don't know. Um, I remember that was a joke in Family Guy where um, Brian finds some guy standing next to Stewie's crib. And he's just like, who the fuck are you? And he goes, oh, Stewie pays me just to kind of, like, stare at him while holding a knife, like, crazy on my face. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, I don't know. It's just, it's just so weird. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that is pretty creepy. So, um, as far as, you know, talking about where we are with August, we can, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem is one of the films that's out right now. It actually just happened to cross $100 million. But putting a pin in that real quick and looking ahead to what's this month, what? Blue Beetle? Gran Turismo? And the thing is this about Blue <laughs> Beetle. Um, they're... They're trying to create some hype. Don't really know what that's going to get them. Mm. But, I mean, some of the early reactions have been positive, to be fair. To be fair, also, the Flash early reactions are pretty positive, too. So, Mm. I don't know how much stock you want to put in positive reactions. Again, part of the thing is, if you follow this business and you follow this industry, you know that the early reactions will almost always be positive. It would be really... It would be the sign of an amazingly awful film if the first reactions came back and they were bad. But usually the first reactions are positive. Um, And usually the studios don't necessarily invite the critics. They invite more the Funko critics, like your Matt Ramoses or or people who are literally just influencers. Um, Not that we are, not that we present ourselves to be. Not that our platform suggests that, but do not mistake us to be influencers. I generally don't like that term mm-hmm. at all. Um, I don't know why or who whose idea it was to call basically vlogging influencing or influencers. It, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth mm-hmm. because the people in our civilization, in our society, who should be looked at as influencers are educators. You know, are people who mm-hmm. actually are, you know, accredited and esteemed and, you know, have some sort of merit and accomplishment, you know, role models in society. And I'm not even saying you got to have a fancy degree and shit. No, I'm just saying... The influencers in our world should be just 
good people doing good things. Yeah. And not to say that influencers are not. In fact, there are many wonderful influencers out there that all of us follow on social media, whether it be Instagram or TikTok. But – and it's not really an attack on them. It's just an attack on this name that they took because it once again reaffirms this mentality that we are taking cues and life lessons from anybody but the right people, basically. There are plenty of people out there that have plenty of wisdom to offer. But that's not necessarily what we want. You were going to say something, David? Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, I, I just agree, you- I agree with you. <laughs> the, the whole calling people on YouTube influencers, or at least people who who want to give life advice, I guess, on YouTube. But it's just kind of weird. Just call them influencers. I don't know. I yeah, wouldn't even call us... Yeah, I would barely even call us YouTubers or we're not. Yeah, we're not barely if that. Yeah, we're just people. Yeah, yeah we're, we're just we're peop- Yeah, we're movie we're fans. Just, yeah, we're just group of people that just really want to talk about movies. That's all we really want to do. Yeah, you know, I just and yeah, and, we're and we, you know, <laughs> I, I've always liked to envision of getting to a place where we'd have enough of a following to have a chat that way we can have more conversations with people about um movies and everything because Mm -hmm. movies themselves um can be very divisive everybody has many many different opinions on films and i know our opinions Mm. (laughs) so a lot of our opinion as a matter of fact would uh be somewhat of a a culture shock for some people i mean there are people on this podcast, and it's funny how, hell, if this didn't scare off the right wing, this will. Um, there are some people on this podcast who feel The Last Jedi is the best Star Wars movie. Mm, yeah. That's us. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> so it's, and I know half the people who are watching just left, basically. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I'm, I'm, I I generally do like hearing other people's opinions and all that. Um you watch like, you watch a lot of um, right wing circles. Yeah, I watch a lot of YouTubers who just have completely different takes mm-hmm. on uh, on movies than I do, and all that. And I just kind of and I definitely hate it when uh, when they were the pe- their viewers on their YouTube channels are like try to call them out on stuff, and I'm just kind of like, y'all gotta chill out on that too. <laughs> it's just like it's just this whole discourse thing going on them. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's always kind of crazy to, uh, what people think about certain movies and all that. And I always just, the way I go about it, like the way I can watch these movies, um, these reviewers, cause some people would be like, why do you even watch them? <laughs> if like they just have completely bad takes or just horrible takes in general or something like that. And I just kind of go, I just, the way I go about it, I just kind of go, okay, you didn't like this movie because of this, but why did I like it? Like what? Like, what is it about me that made me, like, like this? And then it just kind of, you roll back to, like, a different movie that you're like, oh, yeah, this movie did this, and I thought it did the same thing, or maybe it might have done it better, or something. And then, so then that kind of, the conversation never just leads to just, is the movie good or not, or is this movie better or not? It's just kind of like, I just liked it, <laughs> you know, and this is why. No, and for gets, sure. And as always, and it, it does help me kind of, like, this, watching those videos has definitely helped me, like, process my thoughts on certain movies and how kind of and then i bring it onto this podcast (laughs) 
No, I mean, I, I feel like, you know, a lot of people certainly cannot articulate why it is that certain things make them feel the way that they feel, you know? Mm-hmm. And one of the best uh, ways to get to that place is to watch another person um, articulate how exactly they feel. And oftentimes, you know, if you end up getting a contrarian review, like for example, if I'm watching a review on, and it's, this just happened recently with Barbenheimer, as a matter of fact, where people were talking about Barbie and Oppenheimer, and on both situations, um, they were rolling out, you know, their negative, you know, critiques. Mm-hmm. And when I hear them, I know instantaneously, okay, either I agree or that's not at all how I felt. Mm-hmm. Um, almost comp- in, like off the bat. And when you hear other people talk about why they didn't like something, um, ironically enough, it does um, help you kind of gauge but no, I actually did like that. Oh, I, I also like that too. And hearing them, you know, talk about why they didn't like something in some ways can help click in your mind. Oh, so it turns out I liked it. And now I know why I liked that. Mm-hmm. So no, I, 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 all of us here are far from being closed minded people. I mean, personally, I don't, when it comes to politics, I don't necessarily reach out because it just enrages me. But Yeah, I get it. And not that it doesn't enrage me when it comes to movie opinions. Believe me, I can be just as animated, if not more so, than most people on the internet when it mm-hmm. comes to particularly things that I love being mercilessly ripped apart like uh, some kind of animal, um, which happens quite a bit. You know, one of the people who I do like to follow, not because I agree with anything or most of the things that this person says, but I do happen to believe that on some level, this person comes from a good place and I do learn a lot from their point of view. I learned that <laughs> I think a lot of times this person's full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I can see where they went wrong. Um, and they put too much emphasis on this here or that there. But the fact remains, uh, there's really so much to be learned. Like this person, um, I'm not going to name them. And I think you already know who I'm referring to. And you'll know it when I say this. Um, this person went on this weird tangent in the review, which first of all, they didn't even give the movie or the the, the 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 what's it called? It didn't even give the movie the decency of doing an actual review. It was just like mentioned offhand in a news related video because uh, this person was so despondent to it. But they had such a distaste for the Fablemans, mm. and not that that's not allowed. There are plenty of people who, again, I happen to adore that film. And when I hear people who have overwhelmingly negative and hatred-like experiences, I kind of go like, huh? 
Like, I, I, I don't understand. I can't relate. I didn't have that experience. But if you are one of those people, fair, we can have a conversation about that. But what I thought strange was <laughs> the reading of it as I, – I just – I didn't agree with that person's reading of the movie, which was like – the movie was actively trying to tell you that family doesn't matter as much and – you should leave them behind. Mm-hmm. Or even further, which I'm not even sure counts as a reading or take, but it is, I, I do think it does count as something strange, was when this person, in one of the things that left a bad taste in her mouth about this movie, a, a movie, by the way, that talks about um, this kid who wants to be a filmmaker and is very much influenced by his two parents who are very different and end up having a divorce um, happens to be made by Steven Spielberg who it's literally his life story. That's what happened to him. And this person was basically going after him personally with, <laughs> with like him also having had a divorce in his adult life as a way to discredit uh, anything that happened in the movie. <laughs> and I just found that to be very strange, mm-hmm. especially because very clearly among the many things that the movie is about, a big theme is forgiveness. A big theme is forgiveness. Yeah. And in many of the interviews Spielberg himself gave, it's very much something that he needed to excise out of himself to finally be able to forgive not just his parents, but then also himself for all of those years uh, that he was keeping it in, bottled up inside. So that's just an example of a complete vehement disagreement. You could not be further apart <laughs> movie. Um, but then... Every now and then you'll get a movie like Nope by Jordan Peele. And hilariously enough, this person and I are completely in lockstep as to how we <laughs> feel and on every single major point. Mm-hmm. So it's like, and, and again, hey, that's how movies work. Yeah. Uh, you and I certainly don't agree all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you like Joker. I despise it. <laughs> I really you, like Joker. <laughs> you, you like Dunkirk. I couldn't get... I mean, I did get through it, but I would never watch it again. So it's like there's plenty of movies out there that um, – but, but you know, by and large, we do have a shared interest in the kinds of movies that we like. And so more often than not, you and I will be in agreement on a movie, but every now and then we, you know – and then we also give our reasons for why certain things, you know, worked and what didn't work. Recently, you gave your reason for why you liked – um that very controversial cameo fest in The Flash. Um, oh, yeah. Peter and I were, like, melting in our chair. <laughs> Just, like, what is going on? Like, Peter was cringing. Yeah. I've never seen him cringe so hard. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 so that's, that's one example. But um, we know each other well enough to, more often than not, we are going to know how, generally speaking... We're going to feel about something mm-hmm. rather than not. 
But that isn't to say there aren't some surprises. Um, not that I was entirely surprised, but in, in you know, we were just talking about Fablemans. You also really, really liked that movie. You put it number two on your list yeah. of favorite films from 2022. And in our show, and I'm, man, I really do kind of wish you were there too, because it would have spiced things up a bit. That's for sure. <laughs> if you were on there. But I know, not that it was the only thing on that list that, you know, caused some sparks from some of our people, but Kyle and, and Peter particularly were like, how could you, David? You were even <laughs> accusing me of brainwashing you for even having that thing on the, on the list in the first place, um, which, by the way, isn't to say that Peter and Kyle disliked it. In fact, Kyle had it pretty close to his top 10. Um, Peter didn't care at all for it, but... Peter doesn't like Spielberg movies these days, so I guess it's par for the course for him. But that's how it is sometimes. Uh, all of you really responded to Prey. I did not. Like, that film just did not register for me on any level. Right. Now, I I did happen to have something of a panic attack <laughs> while I was watching it, but I did go back and see it again, and it didn't really play any better. So it's like, it's not a bad movie. Um, but that goes to show you that when I know an outside force could very well have colored how I feel about a movie, I have to go back and just to make sure. And sometimes, you know, when you move, when you leave a movie aside for a minute and then revisit it later on, it's one of the best things ever because it's like watching it again for the first time. Mm -hmm. So... Um, Mutant Mayhem. Yes. <laughs> Mutant Mayhem <laughs> is out in theaters and a lot of people are liking it. I know you had the chance to go see it in some kind of special preview and it's been out for two weeks now. Yeah. Um, Peter and I did also get a chance to see it. And I just thought it was simply wonderful. Like to me, it wasn't necessarily a hundred percent the TMNT that I'm used to. And again, to be fair, the TMNT that I'm used to was the 2003 to 2007 animated series that was on Fox kids and also on cartoon network. Um, that's my particular preferred version. Um, I haven't seen, well, that's not true. I'm sure I saw the older movies, the live action movies, but I don't really re remember them all that much mm -hmm. when I was younger and when they would air on TV and I never sought out, the twenty, the two thousand seven animated movie, and I never sought out the um, the Michael Bay movies. Um, they were Michael Bay, right? Yes. Okay. I that that didn't really interest me. Um, so, and I don't even mean to suggest that it's that different because it's not. It's very much Turtles. Like mm. I, I would think anyway. If you're even vaguely familiar with the turtles, then you know that um, what this is going to be. And mm -hmm. this actually was a pretty faithful adaptation in that regard, with a couple of changes here and there. But I, I, I feel like what it, what it's done better than just about every other adaptation of this series that I can think of is. How superb they were able to craft 
the four main lead characters. Mm-hmm. Not just in terms of design, not just in terms of, um, you know, what each particular turtle and what role they play in their team. Even the inspired choice to cast relatively unknown actors, uh, young actors at that, actual teenagers. And that's really the key is what sets this movie apart from not just any – and I'm not just comparing this to all the other turtle stuff, but just you know comparing this to um, films – of this caliber that are geared toward younger audiences, live action or animation alike doesn't matter because there are, there's plenty of animation that is not at all geared toward children. And mm-hmm. I don't want to make, I don't want the persuasion to be out there that like animation is this catch all name that can be used for that. Because I'm not going to necessarily sit here and tell you that, um, what's it called? Uh, all animation is for kids when that is one of the stupidest things that people can think of. When you just look at the various genres that exist within animation. But they were able to make these turtles feel like actual, real teenager kids that you would see in your normal everyday life. And that is something that is very difficult to capture, especially incorporating it into the, as you saw in the film, with the you know, the cell phones and everything, incorporating it into the modern day. What was very different about this adaptation was how very much plugged in they were to our world. And they could do that now because this adaptation of the series uh, is in modern times, which includes the advent of social media and technology. And you saw those kids, uh, those turtles, that their kids basically have access to all of it. And so one of the running gags, I guess, if you will, of uh, their whole ensemble is uh, references. References up the wazoo. Oh, my gosh. Uh, uh, and and they definitely do rely on that as humor. Um, I'm going to put it out there right now. If there was a weakness, if there was a point in this movie that I felt I was being taken out of it, and I'm not somebody that goes on these things and says, oh, this part took me out of it. I am very rarely – well – I was going to say I'm very rarely taken out of a movie, but I guess I I mean to say I'm very rarely taken out of a movie and it bothers me. I should Mm -hmm. say that instead. You know, because there there are – in every movie I'm taken out of it, but I'm probably because I am just distracted and I think about something else Mm -hmm. in the meantime. But that's not really an issue here. The movie references, I don't know – if they worked entirely for you, mm-hmm. but it got to a point where they were happening so often where I did feel taken out of the movie and I stopped thinking about what was happening on there and started thinking more about the reference. Like the one that really made me roll my eyes was the Avengers Endgame. 
reference. <laughs> With the uh, Mark Ruffalo thing. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was yeah, that was one of them mm-hmm. too. So that's the one thing I can point out to you that comes close to bothering me. Yeah. Uh I can I can definitely see why it would bother you and other people. And at first for me I was kind of like, "Ooh, you're like, because the thing when adding references, it makes your movie dated. And then you kind of don't want to yeah. do that. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you kind of wanted to go on for a long time. But after thinking about it for a while, though, I was kind of like, actually, I don't mind the references in this movie. Because in a way, the turtles are timeless because yeah. you can keep renewing it and mm-hmm. making these te- teenagers feel like teenagers of the time, you know? It's kind of like, there's a reason why it keeps getting, like, renewed over and over again on Nickelodeon and all that. You know, you mentioned the one in 2007 or something. Mm-hmm. I saw the one, I don't remember what year it was, but it was, like, a, a CGI version of it uh, and all that. And that I, I kind of enjoyed. And so The CGI animated version of it. Yeah, CGI animated version I think it, it may have been post to that one. Yeah, it might have been right after. Um, And so I, I kind of don't mind the references on this one just because, like I said... In a sense, the turtles are timeless in that you can keep keep it going on and on and on. I can see another one here in 20 years, and it really wouldn't Basically. bother me. Mm-hmm. And and I'll be just kind of curious, like, okay, what are how are the teenagers <laughs> of that time? Like, how is that? How are they going to relate to these new turtles and all that? And so, yeah, I have to think about. I, I need to rewatch it again. I saw honestly that one time, but like, I wouldn't. I would like to go back to watch it again, like with that mindset that I just had. I I would I feel exactly the same way. I just haven't had the the drive to go see it again mm-hmm. because there are other movies I wanted to go see again. Same. <laughs> That's the thing. It's like I, I it came out way too close to Barbenheimer. Mm-hmm. Like I, I mentioned already, I've seen Oppenheimer three times. I've seen Barbie two times. Like I there's like only so and in the middle of all this, I think I also saw Princess Mononoke. Because uh, Studio Ghibli yeah. is doing, you know, certain films again in theaters, so it's like I saw Ponyo, I saw Willy Wonka, and I saw Pee-wee's yeah. Big Adventure. Yeah, they, yeah, See. they told me you saw that in theaters uh, after the passing of Paul Rubens. It, mm-hmm. I was telling Alexis because she was here with me. It seems to be a thing uh, that your theater uh, plays a movie by somebody who died recently. Yeah, because uh, last year it was. Uh, for Greece, right? Yeah. Well, that Greece. one was already going to show. She oh, just, oh, it already was going to happen. Yeah. And That's she eerie. Just had, yeah, I know. <laughs> and then the only big difference, though, is that they had it on two theaters instead of one. Uh, uh-huh. After she passed, they put it in two theaters because they, they probably just knew that a lot of people were going to come. And they were. There were so many people there watching it. I think we mentioned it. Like, there were people there wearing pink lady jackets yeah. and everything. It was such a fun... It was so much fun. And the Willy Wonka But now one. if you go to the movies today, everybody's wearing pink. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's funny. And then the Willy Wonka one was so much fun, too. There was a couple behind me, and they were just repeating the lines of oh. the movie. And I was like, that's so sweet. Because I'm pretty sure it was a couple that they must have bonded over this movie or something. I don't know. I mean, that's the thing. It's like when you see old films in theaters, you, you feel it's a little bit more special because you feel like you're watching it with actual fans of this movie for a very long time. I mean, it takes that long. It takes a big fan of something to go 
and watch something old in theaters. I had the similar experience earlier this year when, we, when they did the Titanic re-release, the 4K mm. 3D one, which was amazing. It was the yeah. best presentation. I don't know, James Cameron in this 3D thing, he's but he has a knack for it because it always looks amazing. Um, but again, you know this movie has been seen by everybody and everybody who's in that theater with me, I know, has already seen it. But even still, it doesn't stop the reactions from coming. Like the laughs that have been had so many times continue to come. But then also particularly the emotional stuff, like, you know, the moment of the movie where, you know, Jack's barely hanging on and then, you know, Rose lets go. And then, you know, behind me, I, I, I hear people crying over it. <laughs> it's like it, it triggers that emotional response or even older still. Uh, I didn't have an older gentleman sit, I think, behind me. He must have been like 60-something mm-hmm. uh, when, we, when we last year. So I think about it was a year ago now, about over a year ago. Uh, Peter and I went to go see E.T., the 4K and IMAX. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we got to the very end of the film. And, man, I mean, that ending... That's my favorite movie ending of all time because it just – it always leaves me – it leaves me with just a weeping mess. And then just the the symphonic mastery that is John Williams' music just blaring at the top of its lungs. Not literally, obviously, because they don't – not a whole thing. But it is such a, an emotionally sweeping finale. Man, that guy behind me was crying. Like <laughs> – and – He's 60. This is the 40th anniversary of E.T. That guy must have been in his early 20s when that movie came out. Or maybe even late teens. Probably. So it's like, yeah, you do encounter a lot of these older fans when you go and watch these old movies. Which is to say, by the way, guys, if you're listening or watching this, don't just go to the movies to see the new movies. I mean, we do it. Mm-hmm. So we mainly do. We love to see all the new movies and go, you know. I mean, we're the kind of crowd that, I mean, I don't. I, I can't speak for David and Alexis because they seem to have a, a cultured or catered uh, community there where they don't have to travel out of the area. But I know for many a, many a time we have had to leave our area just to go see movies that we know we, we knew we would have gotten eventually on digital, but we don't want to experience them on digital. We want to see them on the big screen. I mean, um, just in the last year, I'm trying to, trying to recount all the times that we've gone out just to see something. Um, so uh, The Crush of the Black Pearl was playing. This We, we saw that one in July. Uh, we went to San Diego. Um, at the same theater, we also saw Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 and IMAX. Uh, at the same one, we also did a double, a number of double features. We did The Whale and Avatar, The Way of Water in 3D IMAX. Um, we also did Glass Onion and The Fablemans. That was an amazing double feature. <laughs> um, and we've also gone out to see E.T., Jaws. Every now and then they'll play an old one here. Like, for instance, they did The Thing last year. And for some reason, they're doing Studio Ghibli for us. So we just saw Princess Mononoke uh, just this past week, uh, which happened to be me, my first time watching that movie, uh, mm-hmm. if you can believe it or not. 
Uh, but if you're going to see it for the first time, see it on the big screen. For sure. So, um, yeah, go and watch old movies. Um, because they all, they also, in and of themselves, do feel like events, which don't underestimate, really. At the end of the day, what it came down to the huge success that was Barbenheimer was that it was an event. Mm-hmm. Everyone decided, let's make this an event and people love to be in the moment. And that's what's really propelled the amazing success of those movies. Like I, and to me anyway, I kind of feel like I'm, I'm getting one of the best of both worlds because that isn't to say that, you know, the films themselves have not been universally loved. They have been. They both received A cinema scores. Most people do, in fact, love both movies. But, you know, you've seen takes. You've seen critics. They're like, oh, I... I vastly prefer Oppenheimer more, or I vastly prefer Barbie more. I love them both. Yeah. <laughs> they're on equal footing, and they're very different films. Mm-hmm. And it was just a wonderful experience, and and also kind of an unbelievable one at that, when you consider just the sheer caliber of these movies, which will be big, Oscar contenders, make no doubt about it, mm-hmm. they will be. But big Oscar contenders in the last five or so years don't make up for that much box office. A, a lot of the films that end up doing really well there, people wouldn't even have heard of them, much less seen them in theaters. We're talking about films like, you know, Everything Everywhere All at Once which did very well for itself considering its budget and considering the studio. It was the highest grossing uh, A24 movie of all time, but it's still, well, I think it got to $100 million domestic. That's, that's big for a film of that size and for the studio that it represents. But for comparing the grosses, Barbenheimer is just so much bigger. Barbenheimer is a cultural lightning rod. No one had any idea that Barbie would be a billion dollar film. <laughs> it it honestly just it, it in all of the years that we've been doing this it it continues to just defy all of conventional wisdom. This is a Greta Gerwig film. This is I mean to me more than Yes, it's accessible to commercial audiences. Commercial movie making um, is known for having less of an of an auteur stamp and more of just you know a generic um, made for the masses movie, uh, like a Marvel movie or a Transformers or a Harry Potter movie. You know, like your your general entertaining fare that we're more than used to making a billion dollars, mm-hmm. but. We're, we're, we're seeing a weird paradigm shift. We've been talking about this all year long, where those kind of movies, like Fast and Furious, like the recent Transformers, like Little Mermaid, or like Indiana Jones, basically no one cared about yeah. for the most part. And we're seeing films like Oppenheimer and like Barbie, which are both auteur films. Both of those films are very much driven entirely and holistically by the people who are writing and directing them, and that is Greta Gerwig and Christopher Nolan. And both of those films are do are performing on a level that 
everybody else in the business could only wish. Like, just imagine. I feel really bad for literally everybody else, but like, um, man, I'm sure Marty Scorsese wishes his movies would make that much or give that much attention. I'm sure Steven Spielberg, like Steven Spielberg, right? and I know you and I feel really strongly about his last two movies. West Side Story and Fablemans are like a tour de force back to back. Like, oh my God, like he just made two of the best movies of his entire career. This is yeah. Steven Spielberg. But nobody saw them. Mm-hmm. Nobody. Like, the Fablemans only made $15 million in America. Fuck, that's so low. It's so sad. Dude. Nobody cared. Mm-hmm. Nobody cared. West Side Story. What? I'm not even sure it cracked 50 million. I know in its first opening weekend, it, it barely even got to 10 million. And yet here we are. Barbenheimer, make no, Barbenheimer, Barbie, make no mistake, is first and foremost a Greta Gerwig movie. If you've seen Lady Bird, Mm. And if you've seen Little Women, yes. and by the way, if you haven't seen those movies, stop what you're doing and go watch those movies because they are not only in my view, some of the most precious films ever made, but some of the best of the last few years that continually are overlooked because of what else came out in you know the corresponding years. Lady Bird came out the year of Shape of Water, Phantom Thread, Get Out. Uh, Little Women came out the year of Parasite, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Knives Out. So many films that are surrounded that just take up so much. And let's be real about all those other movies. The difference between Greta's movies and literally all the other ones that I mentioned is hers are female-centric and the rest are all male-centric. And so that that makes up for a big difference there in terms mm-hmm. of interest. Unfortunately, that, that happens to be the case, which could also mean why they're not you know thought of as often. But... Barbie, not only to me, you know, is vindication in believing so much in Greta Gerwig, but it also, it at the same time, just reminds you how great Lady Bird and Little Women are. And, you know, I, I just feel like there are things in Barbie that, first of all, Barbie is a very unique movie unto itself where there's different things in it for different people, but... Really, it is an artistic vision that through brilliant marketing was able to disguise itself as a commercial product. And yet, in some instances, depending on who the audience would be, can work as both things at the same time. Miraculously enough, how else will you explain? Right right now, it's made $1.1 billion. $1.1 billion. It may very well be the highest grossing movie of the year, surpassing Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. And that isn't to say, by the way, that the Nolan movie is a slouch either. And as crabby as Christopher Nolan might be for Warner Brothers, you know, trying to upstage him, in a way they did, but also in a way they didn't. I mean, Mm -hmm. if you think about it, I'm not sure this worked out the way that WB intended. Because if you remember, WB was supposed to do this in a way to stick it to Nolan for ditching them for Universal Studios. But inadvertently through the social media Barbenheimer craze, Barbie very much lifted 
the overall interest and lifted the overall box office revenue of Oppenheimer. For sure. The social media challenge thing where people who would not be interested, and I'm sure there were plenty of people who were like, or were like, what is this movie? Mm. Um, let's, let's be real. I'm sure there are plenty of audiences that reacted that way, but they did it just so they, just so they can say they did the challenge and everything. Yeah. Thanks to Warner Brothers putting Barbie in that, they somehow <laughs> ended up backfiring, I guess, in a way. I mean, not too much because they just had their second most successful film in all of Warner Brothers history with Barbie. So not it hasn't backfired too much. But mm-hmm. in terms of the original intent, which was to screw it to Nolan, well, it didn't work out that way because it, I, I think it's – I'm not sure if it's this weekend, but at the moment, it's projected – to pass over $800 million. This is a drama. <laughs> this is not an action movie. And what's even crazier is that this is like, because, you know, Nolan films all his movies in IMAX. It's taking the IMAX screens and it's all to itself for weeks and weeks on end. Poor Tom Cruise, man. He really did deserve those IMAX screens because Mission Impossible was an IMAX you know, made for IMAX movie more so than Oppenheimer. I mean, I, I actually just, I saw Oppenheimer in IMAX and it looks amazing, but it's not necessary. <laughs> I don't feel anyway. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a big screen. I'm never going to say no to a big screen, mm-hmm. but it's like, it's, it's insane to me how much interest there is in that. And it's going to result in one of Nolan's highest grossing movies ever. Over $800 million for what it basically is a drama biopic kind of not really movie where it's just scenes of people talking and talking quickly. And if you're – because if – man, that with that movie, if you're not catching – if you're not like in it, you, you miss something, you've missed a lot. <laughs> Sometimes it's Oppenheimer. But it's it's a phenomenon and not something that um, I saw coming but it's also just – I mean – it's not unwelcome. It's just shocking to see that in the midst of so much negativity happening in the industry about, you know, the strikes and the shutdowns and all the, the bad faith actors and the greedy corporatists, in spite of all of that happening, there is this little like nugget of positive, of positivity here where two accomplished filmmakers were able to through the studio system, put out a film that is holistically theirs and basically end up being revered by the masses. I don't know. Did you want to you know, add on to what I was saying? I, 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 I don't mean to say it all, <laughs> but it's just like what I'm thinking here, David. Uh, no, I mean, I just, I'm sure, man, you froze on my end. I know. Uh, oh, I'm, I gotta, I gotta save an image. It'll unfreeze at some point. Yeah, for sure. But I gotta save like an image next time to like if it cover doesn't, yourself up. <laughs> if it doesn't unfreeze, I could just hang up real quick and then call back. Let me do that real quick. Uh, okay. That was afraid it was gonna happen. Oh no! <laughs> you look. Uh, you're taking up the whole screen on the recording. <laughs> oh shit! Oh no! Well, yeah. everything changed now because now it's um, 
now I see you. Yeah. <laughs> and and now, my, now you see my giant forehead on the screen. No, it's fine. You, you can fix it in real time. I mean, yeah, these yeah. things happen on live stream. So it's like people, I mean, we're, we're at a point now where people can put up with it. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to cut this. I don't know. It's, just, it's funny. Why not? <laughs> um, no, you don't have to. People mm-hmm. enjoy it. Uh, we'll see. It, it's up to you. People enjoy chaos. <laughs> yes, we live for it. But you yeah. were saying. Um, oh, I was gonna say. Um, I'm sure Warner Brothers didn't expect uh, the people paying attention to the pettiness <laughs> of uh, what they were doing and all that. But no, we pay attention and we found it hilarious um, <laughs> and all that. But um, yeah, no, it was just a big surprise of um, how really just went along with this meme i would honestly call it um and everything so yeah i mean i don't know what else you, you talked about um <laughs> yeah, I just, I just well, it, yeah it seems rather moot to a certain degree but anyway we got it we kind of got away from teenage yeah. a long time ago Mm-hmm. Uh, that we seem to be just like jumping back and forth but yeah. on the whole anyway i i thought the film was unbelievably charming and wonderful. And uh, to me, it's another one of these impeccably made artistic animated films post Into the Spider-Verse, where it would not have been able to be, be made anywhere near the way that it was if it wasn't for the success and the response to Into the Spider-Verse. Um, you know, it, it very much in some, a lot, a lot of the designs are pretty grody. Um, intentionally so, yeah. uh, I would, I would imagine, but Hey, it is a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I know that I was kind of knocking a little bit of the gag or at least particularly the, the, the movie thing, but on the whole, I thought the humor landed tremendously. No. Yeah. Um, the biggest compliment that I can give this is the cast of the turtles. Um, mm. they just, they seem like good friends in real life and everything. And, Oh, one key thing, one key thing, uh, Seth Rogen, who is pretty much the brainchild behind this movie, and wow, thank you, Seth Rogen. Yeah. a wonderful movie. He insisted, from his own experiences, when he would do voice recordings, he insisted that the four actors record together, Mm -hmm. not separately, and that you can tell, you can tell it in the movie, it makes all the difference. Yeah, you can definitely tell. You can just tell the friendship, and and within... Within the movie, you can tell that these are brothers. Uh, the characters are brothers. Yes. <laughs> and everything. And th- yeah, that's the biggest compliment that I can give. The casting was just on point. And they carried the whole movie, really. Um, which is, and I find it so weird because, like, you know, you mentioned, like, you know, Seth Rogen was smart about this and all that. Some people were like, really hating on him when the, before the movie came out being like on Seth Rogen? Yeah, the like he's going to be the reason that this movie's going to suck and I'm like have you seen this movie? Like I'm not saying like he's some like great filmmaker or anything like that but like he makes some pretty entertaining mu- movies. I don't know. I don't Seth understand. Seth Rogen is consistently one of the best entertainers out there. And as far as if we're going to talk about the comedy space he definitely is one of the most consistent ones out there as far as getting a good story or a good product out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and not, I mean, every time Seth Rogen, and I, I don't understand why no one has asked him to do an award show um, performance. Uh, and a performance. What the fuck am I saying? I don't know why no one has asked him 
to host an award show mm-hmm. because he's so funny. Like it doesn't, he's always been funny. And then also don't forget, uh, Seth Rogen himself happens to also be a pretty good actor. People forget yeah. he's in the Fablemans and he was really good in the Fablemans too. Mm-hmm. Surprisingly. And I, I shouldn't say surprisingly, but <laughs> we're just not, maybe because it was a dramatic role for him. Yeah. I think, I mean, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen him in the dramatic role, really, besides Fablemans. Um, no, I don't. Yeah, I, mean, I can't think of any other one. No, honestly, I can't. <laughs> I mean, I think the yeah. only one that can, like, it wasn't dramatic performance, but, like, it was still, like, a really good performance was Neighbors. Um, uh-huh. That one was really good. But, again, it wasn't, like, a dramatic performance. But yeah, I just, I don't know. It just, it seemed like he really did care about this franchise and just wanted to adapt it in his own way. And I, he did a great job. He really took advantage of the uh, the animation, especially Spider-Verse style um, animation and all that. And just kind of had fun with it. And I love, um, so I saw a like early access screening of it and they showed like a lot of behind the, behind the scenes stuff. They showed clips of the main Turtle cast, um, you know, talking to each other like being together doing the recordings and all that and it just looked fun and that some of the um like adults there like uh listening to their um or like watching them do their lines and all that they would always like cut them off and everything uh going like wait is that like an actual thing teenagers say and all the blah blah, blah. like they just started to figure out teenage slang and everything mm-hmm. it's just so fun and so you know Seth Rogen the one that's like he really tried to push like try to make this for kids or teens today um so i just i don't understand the hate for him <laughs> towards him um but yeah no he, he he really did he did a great job i mean movie. here's to me one of the highlights of this award season i'm gonna play this this small clip here seth rogan completely destroying the cw on the critics choice awards which air on the cw <laughs> um this is an amazing moment saying the CW is bad. What I will say is it is the one network to receive zero Critics' Choice nominations. You are saying it's bad. We're on your least favorite network. How did that happen? Nominate yourselves next time. You'll have one. No one will think it's weird. They'll think it's fine. That's that. That's my kind of humor. And mm-hmm. hey, um, award shows out there, you you're kind of in need of a good host. Mm-hmm. Go look for Seth Rogen. But yeah, I, I don't know. People on the internet yeah, oftentimes have like weird hangups about certain personalities. I I don't really engage in that kind of stuff because it always just seems so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> the, the the rationale and reasoning for why people hate certain on people on the internet, I don't care for. Don't want to care for. So I just ignore it mm-hmm. all together but more on the animation beautiful beautiful stuff especially when things were glowing in the sewer uh wow wow and most of the movie is at night too mm-hmm. um which it almost feels like a glow-in-the-dark fo- movie <laughs> even though most <laughs> are glow-in-the-dark because yeah it's a big fucking light and everything um but yeah i i it was so funny uh, and 
really engaging the whole way through. I, I, I but I, I do want to see it again though. Just to like get my like whole feelings on it. Mm-hmm. Secure though. I mean, I liked it a lot. No, yeah, same. I really liked it too. I really liked the the character arcs that they went through and all that, especially mm-hmm. with um, uh, was it Splinter? Um, he they didn't refer to him as Splinter. You notice that? Oh yeah, they never did, huh? No, not yeah. once did they refer to him as Master Splinter. Uh, they call just call him Dad. Yeah, they the just, Jackie Chan. Uh huh. Yeah, because I mean that's what they did in the past ones, and I think that was kind of a good idea here, just because it's kind of weird to call your dad a Master Splinter. I don't know. So yeah, it just. It, yeah, it'll work well. My one complaint, honestly, uh, I don't know the lore of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I don't know like what what it is in the comics or anything. Um, but in the animated CG cartoon that I saw, I really like what they did in that Master Splinter was a human, and the ooze turned him into a giant rat. Really? Yeah. And huh. in that one, he had like a past. One of them is that 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 he just knows kung fu that was part of his past and then he passed it on to his kids i don't like in this movie and in the michael bay one that he just learned it from a book or he learned it in the tv and he learned it in the tv in this one he learned it from a book in the michael bay ones and then that's how he taught the kids and i'm kind of like that's kind of fucking lame <laughs> hmm. just because i i like it the idea of master splinter being the master kung fu master uh master <laughs> yeah um and then when he starts to fight that's when shit gets serious it's like oh man if he's involved you know you know shit's gonna go down and then this one though is just kind of like comedic and i mean it was funny i, I like this fight scene and all that but i just kind of wish that's kind of what i like about master splinter is like when he gets involved you know th- shit's about to go down <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah I, I remember correctly um the version that i saw it he was a rat, mm-hmm. and he just mutated, and then he did learn through a book, I think, yeah, or oh, TV okay. or something, yeah. Mm. Or I think he, in one version I saw, like, he learned from a human who was learning on TV. I know in the live action one, the the old one, he had a, he was a rat, and his owner no new kung fu, and he just copied his moves somehow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that's how it was, which is weird, but fine. I think it's okay for that time. You just kind of went along with stuff, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I much prefer like the animated one that I saw, just because like he has a past, and in that in that cartoon show, he had a daughter that Shredder raised, and he didn't. Master Splinter didn't find out about it till like way later on. Here's an interesting like, question. Um, in the CG animated show you saw, mm-hmm. how big of a role did Baxter Stockman play Baxter. in the series? The scientist. I don't remember seeing him at all. It was mostly just them fighting monsters, mutants, and aliens. Because really. in this movie, Baxter Stockman seemingly gets killed off in the be- in the very beginning of the movie. Yeah. And the Baxter Stockman that I know from the, the show that I mentioned, the 2003 animated series... He's a major character. Really? Yes, he's a major villain, as a matter of fact. Hmm. He, he's allied, he allies himself with the Shredder, and then later on a special agent, uh, Bishop. He's a major player oh, wow. in, in that series. No, yeah, I don't really remember him. I just remember the alien brain creatures being big villain. Um, and so, you mean the Utron? 
I, I don't know. I don't, I'm not that big of a fan of TMNT, by the way. I'm just kind of like... I think that's what you're describing. I yeah. mean, like they're, they're not brains, but they're pink. Oh, really? Okay. Well... Well, I don't know if they're brains. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, that's kind of... And it's just... They kind of dealt with the monster of the week type of show. And I just... I really don't remember them even bringing up uh, the professor. Interesting. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm sure this is doing this is going to do well enough. I would be surprised if Paramount does not pursue a direct sequel to this. Yeah, I mean they set it up for it, and I I don't see why not. I just yeah, I kind of hope so. I wouldn't mind, especially because of the cast. Again, they yeah. fucking killed it. They just they were great. I want to see them again. <laughs> so here's a, another thing here. Um, so Blue Beetle's coming out. Mm-hmm. And we're a little bit of a predicament here. For those who can't tell, we're brown. Mm-hmm. Um, we've not really had a major live action film really at all that really of this caliber in the blockbuster space. I want to be more clear about that and even clearer with the superhero genre. There really hasn't been anything catered to us until now. Very much because Blue Beetle is heavily uh, featuring, you know, from what it seems to be Mexican-Americans. Because George Lopez is in the movie, too. Mm-hmm. So, I'm not saying I'm trying to get out of seeing this movie. But here's the thing. I don't know. I'm curious about it uh, just to see, you know, what it is, even though I kind of, I have a suspicion that it's exactly a situation where what you see is what you get. Mm -hmm. It just depends on like how good or not the execution is. For Blue Beetle, yeah. I don't know. What do you think about it? Uh, I mean, yeah, from the trailers, it seems like you kind of know how this is going to end. This is how it's going to go. I mean, even in the trailer, they spoil something. I mean, I don't know if you you would consider a spoiler, but there's a line that Blue Beetle says, and you're just kind of like, mm. yeah, I thought that that was going to be the theme of it, you know. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I just I just don't really seem anything special i guess you can say about this movie it's just the the timing is so unfortunate because i mean this this movie was supposed to be for hbo max originally Mm -hmm. um but then that went that's not a thing anymore yeah um but then on top of that an even bigger hurdle for it to overcome are two very big things first of which and for a lot of people on the internet this is a big deal the idea that this is the second to last movie in this uh, regime of DC films before it ends up being whatever you think reboot means <laughs> with Superman Legacy in 2025, which is pretty hilarious how things are uh, continuing to just flail out over there um, with certain talent saying, oh, I wasn't let go. I'm coming back. And then a week later, she's lying. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Man, it's pretty stupid. Mm-hmm. I don't know what... They were thinking, putting that out there. Like that story of like, oh yeah, Wonder Woman 3 is totally happening and I'm coming back. Gal Gadot saying that like, I don't know who believed that. <laughs> I don't know why she would believe that. Yeah. I'm sorry. Like nobody wants that. 
Especially when, like, they, if they, they dismiss Henry Cavill, they're, they're not going to want you back, girl. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not. You guys are the face of the Zack Snyder DCU. You guys, unfortunately, it ain't your fault, really. It's more so Zack Snyder, but you guys are the face of a, uh, of a decade of failed DC films. You're the last thing they want involved in their next regime. I'm sorry. That's not happening. Um, so silly. How we were just talking about that for a week. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's the second to last movie and no one seems to care as much anymore because at least online, because of, uh, it's not really a continuing universe, but then from from a more detrimental aspect, general audiences, um, do not like, uh, DC films as a matter of fact, it looks like because the flash so underperformed. The Flash, at the end of the day, you know, I'm, I'm not even sure. Well, it's not going to get anything back in the ancillary, but it's going to lose WB over $200 million alone. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it was so pitiful. Um, in its like third week, I think the, the Wes Anderson movie almost caught up to it. It was like neck and neck. That's how like pitiful uh the flash was doing and that suggests there really isn't much interest in in these dc films anymore because that that suggests to me the bottom fell out i'm under it Mm -hmm. side note pretty hilarious to me how right winger david zaslav really believed wholeheartedly that the big movie that was going to save wb this year was going to be The Flash. And I find it so funny how spectacularly it failed. One of the biggest box office bombs of all time. And one movie, his lips were sealed. At least we don't know what he was taught, what he thought of it, but he didn't really... No reports came out of him thinking one way or the other. But the movie that he should have been championing... Barbillion, Barbie, yeah. Barbie, Barbie is now the second most successful movie in WB history. In fact, I think this week is going to pass the Dark Knight's box office total. Wow, it's going to pass the Dark Knight. That's awesome. <laughs> Which is funnily enough, also a Nolan movie. Yeah, <laughs> so it's pretty interesting how that you know lined up. But it's like that that right there should tell you that. Principally speaking, movie executives aren't the smart, the smartest people. But also, that should also tell you that David Zaslav was someone that never should have been seen as a wise entity to begin with. Because, man, I would feel like the stupidest person alive if that happened to me. Where it's like, I bet on the wrong horse. In my own studio, mind you. I thought this was going to be my golden ticket. And it like was the biggest bomb maybe in our entire studio's history. Mm-hmm. And then the one movie, which by the way, why I called Zaslav a right winger is because he is a, a, a right winger. He's a conservative. And Barbie is not at all conservative. And he, I'm, I'm sure he doesn't really care for that movie. <laughs> and yet, money talks, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the capitalist in him. I mean, he probably may not like the movie personally, but I'm sure he loves the money that's bringing in because, fuck, they needed one profitable film at that studio. Mm-hmm. 
So I just wanted to put that up as an aside. But as far as Blue Beetle is concerned, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I really don't know what to tell you. Like I, 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 I feel bad for the cast. I know for sure. I'm actually excited for the guy playing Blue Beetle to be in this uh-huh. movie because he's great in Cobra Kai and all that. And I, I mean, I don't know. Hopefully, enough word of mouth of the cast being good on screen. Yeah, but you know, it's like this. One of the things that uh, Grace Randolph has always been right about mm. is nearly every person who has come to work in a DC film these last 10 years has come to regret it. <sighs> nearly every person. Because think of all the many personalities whose careers have been like damaged or hurt by their affiliation or association with just DC films and their inability of getting their shit together. I mean, this guy thought he, he might have had a big break with this big fucking superhero blockbuster movie. But oopsie, oopsie, like um, blockbuster superhero films in 2023 are not what they were even a year ago. Mm-hmm. And even less so when the very studio who hired you basically just threw you under the bus a whole year in advance when they said that whatever continuity was in your films was being thrown out the window. Like, if anything, if, if there was hindsight's twenty twenty, right? But I do feel like maybe this James Gunn stuff shouldn't have come to light until after these movies have were in theaters. Mm-hmm. Then again, maybe it wouldn't have made that big of a difference considering how poorly... I mean, there's, there's been not a single profitable DC movie. I don't include the Batman or Joker. I should say DCEU. There's been no DCEU movie that has been profitable on any level since Shazam in 2019. That was a long time ago at this point. Mm-hmm. Plus, honestly, I'm pretty sure it would have leaked at some point <laughs> that James Gunn's going to be in charge. You're right. So, I mean, there's just not much of hiding it. I think they should have I mean, waited until after The Flash, for mm-hmm. sure, because that kind right. of for sure killed it. Um, yeah, man. That, that was a disaster for practically everybody involved. And, I mean, talk about people who come to regret it. I mean, uh, Leslie Grace, Batgirl. Oh my God, yes. Michael Keaton probably even feels like, what the fuck did I come back for? <laughs> no, I know. Uh, <laughs> and it sucks too because of the directors of that one. They are the ones that directed the first and maybe the last episode of Miss Marvel. Uh-huh. And I mean, those are probably some of the best ones <laughs> in this show, especially the first one, because you know uh-huh. there was some creativity going on in there. And so. Yeah, I would have liked to seen them work on a DC or on just any kind of action movie, really, and see what they can do. I don't know what other stuff they've done, but just think about it: Patty Jenkins, Henry Cavill, Gal Gadot, Dwayne Johnson, Ben Affleck, to an extent, have all been humiliated. Mm-hmm. And and that's not even getting into all the other controversial elements, like the whole thing with Zack Snyder because he was fired, um, basically when his daughter was. When she died, great thinking, and then bring in Joss Whedon, and then Joss oh Whedon's career blows up uh, after Justice League comes out. Mm-hmm. The whole situation with Ray Fisher, which I'm still not even sure what happened there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was just later. weird. I don't know. What the, I don't even know what the heck he's doing. Um, I don't. I, I. I don't know. It's just like it's sad. But it's also funny, but it's it's sad that it's funny. Mm. How much of a colossal fuck up these movies have been. Where it's like on every level, 
No one can get it together and everybody ends up leaving just deeply harmed or afflicted. Like Affleck left that place so depressed. I think he checked into rehab. Yeah. Of all things. And he was supposed to write and direct Batman originally. Mm-hmm. Um, all those years ago at this point. Um, I mean, shit, even Will Smith. Like, <laughs> I mean, he not really wasn't. I mean, I guess what, one of the ones that they humiliated the most was, was Dwayne Johnson. Yeah, for sure. They really were like, <laughs> bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Also, just that whole thing of what was it? Um, the, the hierarchy. hierarchy. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta change the hierarchy of the DCU. Oh my god, that was so funny. You, were, I was just kind of like, come on, man. You he know. was right though. <laughs> he was right. It was just the monkey's paw situation where it blew up in his face. Mm. It's not exactly how he wanted it to do, but thanks to him and the failure of his movie, James Gunn was given the reins over at DC Studios. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Joanne. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. It's so fucked up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the thing is, that the sad thing is, though, things continue to be a little bit murky. Like, I, I didn't buy the whole Wonder Woman coming back thing. But, like, I don't know what's going on lately where maybe the, the, the trades are grasping for stories. But, like, this came out at the same time that David Ayer was, like, saying that, oh, yeah, James Gunn said someday they'll release my Ayer cut of Suicide Squad. Nobody cares, man. Nah. <laughs> Nobody cares. And at, at this point, it, it just comes off like James Gunn was just telling these people what they wanted to hear so they can get him off his back. Probably. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't mind. I would probably would watch an air cut, but like, it's not going to happen, my guy. No, not everyone does. <laughs> Why would you? Okay, I if it was if it was if it was sitting on a shelf somewhere, and it was ready for view. Sure. Yeah. Upload it. But why would you put put one penny in it? To like get, if you're gonna release an air cut, I would assume you're gonna have to do a whole Snyder cut situation where you have to like can you believe they dumped seventy million dollars to do that Snyder cut thing? Oh my god. <laughs> and and for what? Nothing. No, yeah, no, honestly nothing. But just people saw it. Cool. Then we moved on. Did they? I mean, I don't know how many people saw it, but like, we just moved on. We just kind of went, all right, I find this one better, but okay. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah, so um, that's August for you in a nutshell. Oh, and there's also Gran Turismo, but I'm not sure who cares to see that. Uh, there have already been reactions that have come out of it. Doug Lyman is directing it, but. The reactions have been pretty much what I expected they would be, which is like, it's exactly the movie you think it is, but the racing scenes are actually pretty cool. So if you care about that, that might interest you. That's cool. That might be enough to interest you, but um, yeah, it's kind of a dark, quiet month here on the channel from what I can tell. Mm -hmm. Um, The only thing that might bring a little bit of life back in it now that depends on what you mean by life, but all of us here, with the exception of Peter, who he reminds us on every single instance it's brought up, we really do love Star Wars Rebels. 
Um, and at one point, we were supposed to receive a sequel animated series to pick up of the events of the end of that series. But John Favreau came in and pretty much hijacked the entire process, killed the animation that was already being done on it because he had the lame brain idea being fueled by this mentality that somehow live action is superior to animation when in fact he has it backward animation is superior to live action um but he had this stupid idea that let's do it in live action so because of that we have ahsoka and if you've been listening to our show these last few months um you would already know that we were not enthused to begin with because of that very fact. Um, a number of us are still not sold on Rosario Dawson's Ahsoka. So, and it really does rub some of us the wrong way that Ashley Eckstein has been seemingly left in the cold. When there's literally an Ahsoka show coming out, it's her titular character's name as the title of the show. And Ashley's like nowhere to be seen. Mm-hmm. So it does not sit right. Yeah. That's number two. Number three, the trailers have been really confusing. <laughs> and I think on two different areas. I'm sure they're confusing for people who have never even seen Star Wars Rebels. If you haven't seen Star Wars Rebels, I don't even know how lost you are to begin with. But we've seen it. And so we know that. But there are also things introduced in that trailer that make us go like, okay, what? This didn't happen. This never happened. What are you here to do? Oh, God, what are you going to do? So, this month, which is August, Disney Plus is going to debut Ahsoka. <sighs> These Lucasfilm Star Wars shows are a mixed bag. Uh, everybody in the world loves Mandalorian until season three, evidently. But I feel season three kind of vindicated you and me, David and Peter and Alexis and Kyle, which is like, hey, this show was not great from the very beginning. And season three really showed that. Mm -hmm. Season three was embarrassing. Yeah. Like really embarrassing. I would even think there are parts of Boba Fett that I would choose to watch <laughs> over the Mandalorian season three. Because that was a particularly new low. Um, but speaking of lows... Boba Fett in and of itself, that was very much embarrassing. Like, that was like amateur hour at best. Um, but then, Obi-Wan was pretty good. You know, it, it wasn't great. Mm -hmm. There were issues. But on the whole, we happen, we happen to enjoy a good bit of Obi-Wan. Yeah. Um, then came Andor, which was perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so this is Dave Filoni's uh, first solo venture into live action. So we'll see what happens. I don't know if he's directing all the episodes, but I'm sure he's written them all. Mm -hmm. I don't know what this means. I don't know. What do you feel about this, David? I, I'm, I'm very much scared. Um, yeah, same. Honestly, <laughs> I just, I don't like what they're saying about the Asuka character and also one thing saying that she's like Gandalf or something and I'm like she is not Gandalf like she she's not a wizard <laughs> it's like she's literally not a Jedi either <laughs> and so I don't know what you're gonna do with this character 
I don't know what they're gonna change. I hope even if they do make changes, like explain them, kind of like give some background to it or something. Um, but yeah, I'm just I'm not that I'm not looking forward to that show really. I just feel like it's gonna be a bit of a mess, which sucks to say. But yeah, I just other than Andor, I haven't seen anything else that kind of like gives me a hype about whatever Star Wars is coming up with. Yeah. So that's where we're going to be, guys. Um, and with whatever happens these next few weeks, well, we'll bring it back up and we'll come back online to share with you what we thought of it. Um, but I think we're going to go ahead and cut it off here. Uh, David, thank you so much for being here. A reminder, of course, that our podcasts are available anywhere you listen to podcasts. And they're usually uploaded every single Sunday. Um, stand our spotlight for more uh, going on in the world of movies and more and we will see you next time bye bye bye